Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the east end of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. Yes, we are recording. We have a, a full house here today. This is exciting. It feels like, you know, spring is here. We're looking at a busy summer season. So everybody's kind of getting back on their game. I don't know. Maybe I'm just <laughs> not sure. I think it's going to be one of the busiest we've seen in a long time with the first year since, really since COVID, since the 2019 without COVID. Yeah, I'm bracing for it. I think it's. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to be a crazy summer. Yes. Yeah. Well, as as the arts editor, I can tell you, I'm starting to get. Yeah. It's it's like the uh, the bees are coming out of the hive. And mm-hmm. It's kind of a sports analogy, isn't it? Because we're kind of talking about <laughs> it is locally. <laughs> so let me give it to our introductions. That's Bill Sutton's voice. He's heard at the top of the podcast. Hiya, Bill. Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And Brendan O'Reilly's with us today. Hey, Brendan. Hi, everybody. I'm Brendan. I am the Deputy Managing Editor. And also with us is Joe Shaw. Hiya, Joe. Hey, Annette. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the Executive Editor of the Express News Group. And um, I'm Annette Hinkle. I'm the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. And we have two special guests today. One is our Sports Editor, Drew Budd. Hiya, Drew. Hi, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me again. Good. And we also have Jermaine Smith. And Jermaine is the secretary of the Shinnecock Council of Trustees. And Jermaine also sits on the State Department of Education for New York. He's on an advisory council to address indigenous education needs. And he's also on the Southampton Board of Education. Is that right? That is correct. Oh, there we go. Well, you got a lot of you got a lot of monikers here. It's going to take most of the podcast just to share those. <laughs> So we thought we would have Jermaine on today because very interesting a vote just came up. The New York State Board of Regents voted unanimously recently to ban the use of Native American names, mascots, and imagery in public schools. And um, this is something, Jermaine, maybe you could jump in here and talk about as far as how long this has been an effort um, and a focus. And it seems like it was an effort that was largely, has largely been ignored by a lot of the school districts in New York. Yes, as as you know, nationally, um, this has been an effort for for many many years, decades, going back to uh, you know with the, the the first big change with the Washington Redskins a couple of years ago, well last year really, um, but that effort that that has been a topic for many many years, as you know, um, and then I, two thousand and one, New York State brought it to uh, the schools in in New York State. And uh, it was more of a um, suggestion at the time to change the mascot names. And then with uh, Commissioner Rosa, Dr. Betty Rosa, it became uh, a mandate. And so, you know, that's uh, that's exciting. And then here we are today and good things are happening. So has there been a lot of pushback from the schools with this coming out? I've read that there's been some schools that are already ahead of the curve. We were just talking before we came on that Shelter Island, they used to be the Indians. Is that correct? Yes. So they, a few years ago, voluntarily withdrew their name. Um, what are they now? I believe they're the Islanders. The Islanders. All right. That's good. Which kind of coincides with, you know, Mattitok Tucker, Southhold. That kind of goes with that whole mantra that they have going on in Northfield. 
So they were ahead of the curve as far as that goes. Um, and it seems like on the east end... I think it took them a while to get there, though. I mean, there was yeah. discussion for a while before they before they made the change. Yeah. So, Jermaine, when did the schools have until to remove the imagery? Um, and we're talking about taking it off of buildings and clothing and courts and fields, um, or else they risk losing their state aid. So what's the time frame on actually being um, enacting this throughout the state? I believe that's 2025 um, that they have to remove them. And, and they, you know, the state wanted to give uh, the district's time because it is a big undertaking for a lot of the schools. And, and we understand that. Um, as you mentioned, I believe at the beginning, I sit on the advisory council for indigenous people with New York State education. And we, we took that into consideration um, that it's going to be a big undertaking for many schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and there hasn't been a lot of pushback. There's only a few schools that, um, and some are using uh, finances, school budget, um, and, and the cost of changing everything as one mm-hmm. of their um, reasons for um, for the push. Uh, there are a couple that are um, just don't want to do it. Uh, and I'm not, I don't want to call out any schools, uh, you know, but there are a couple that just don't want to do it. But the, but the state has made it clear that it's a, it's a mandate that has to change. Jermaine, I feel like when the right wing uh, mediaplex gets its hands on this, it, it may start to, you might start to hear some reaction uh, because I think a, a, this is the kind of cultural issue that's been dividing our country lately. And a lot of people really get, exercised over something like this. So let me just ask you the question that I think a lot of people have is, what's wrong with having a team name if it pays tribute to Native Americans? What if, what if, it's, what if it's meant, I think nobody's out here defending uh, the Washington Redskins. Nobody's defending some of the, the caricatures that are used and some of the you know, I don't think anybody's defending things like the tomahawk chop, which I still uh, cringe every time I hear uh, the crowds doing that. Um, but some schools, I think, genuinely see it as a tribute to the Native Americans that were in their midst. What Talk about why that argument falls short. So <clears throat> I can see that argument from from some of the... Uh, the districts and, and, and how they may, may think that is a tribute. Um, you know, sitting on this council, we got to hear a lot of different opinions from several different tribes in New York State. And um, for me, it, it's almost like what gives them the right to make that decision on whether to, you know, to make it a tribute. And also, it's still a uh, slap in the face as, as far as um, us as a people and our culture and treating us as if we didn't, um, we don't exist. And we were something of, of, of a historical reference or- um, Something from the past. Something from the past. Is it a tribute, Joe, or, or is it an appropriation, I think would be- Yeah, I mean, I think that's the line. Would be my my question. And, and look, I so I, I grew up and went to school in, in Irondequoit, New York, a million years ago, and it was, the Irondequoit Indians, and and at some point after I had had left school, um, they they changed the name, and and it's now the the Eagles, which I guess is 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 more 
Um, I, I don't know how, how they came up with the Eagles or whatever, but I, I mean, when I was going to school and, and growing up in Arondequoy, it's near, near Rochester, I, I, I never saw the, the Indians mascot as a, as a tribute to, to anybody. And I don't know that we learned a lot about Native American culture there. Um, I, I don't know that anybody put it in that perspective. It was the figure, it was a caricature of, of Native Americans. And I don't remember at that time anybody arguing it as a tribute. So I would wonder if, if that whole tribute argument just came up as a way to resist, um, you know, change um, in, in the current in the current situation and, and where we are currently. And I think that's exactly right. I think it it sounds good to say it's a tribute. Um, I was I remember growing up as a kid. I was born and raised here in in, in Southampton, on Shinnecock territory. And I always like to say I was born in Shinnecock territory, even being at Southampton Hospital. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we're all on Shinnecock territory right now. Yeah, yep, that's right. <laughs> So, um, you know, growing up, I remember driving around with my father, who was a, a house mover for many years. And, he, you know, he was born and raised in Shinnecock and he was born on what is now the Shinnecock Reservation. And asking him, why are there so many Shinnecock stores? But we don't own them. Mm. And, and But my first question to him was, well, Dad, who owns that? And he would say, I don't know. And I would say, but it's a Shinnecock. So for me, that was a that's something historical in my own psyche that has weighed on me as a as a child into adulthood, where we're symbolized and used in a certain way, and it's almost as if we don't exist. And that is the, I think that's the most hurtful thing that happens today to the youth um, is that that lack of identity, and we're not, you know. The symbol that they put on, on their mascots or the symbol that they put on the, the Hollywood screen, we come in, you know, I meet with tribes all across the, the country and we, comes in, we come in different shapes and sizes and, you know, uh, tones and we're still here in, in, in great numbers and, and we still exist and we have governments and we have tribes and we have infrastructure. And um, I think... Uh, Dr. Betty Rosa has recognized that and, and she, you know, um, invited us all to sit on this advisory council so that New York State Education Department could hear from us firsthand from the tribes that are involved in, in New York State. And that is, that's big. So it's not talking at us, it's having us at the table and speaking with us. So that's, that's huge, it's important and it, and it means a lot. So, Jermaine, you talk about driving past places that have Shinnecock in the name, and one of them that I think is hard to miss is the Shinnecock Hills Golf Club, because not only do they have Shinnecock in the name, their logo is a Native American chief in a headdress, and that's exactly the kind of thing that they're getting out of New York schools right now. So, State Education Department has nothing to say about what a golf course does. There's, I'm sure if the state tried to ban the golf club from using it, um, based on certain freedoms that golf clubs have versus public schools have, that wouldn't be successful. They would only 
do away with that logo if it happened willingly. And I don't know if the tribe has worked on asking them to change their name or their logo, or if you think that's a non-starter. That's a good question. Um, right now, the um, president of the Shinnecock Golf Course has a very good relationship with one of our council members, Seneca Bowen, our treasurer on council. Um, so that discussion has been had. We have not crossed that bridge yet, so to speak, but the Shinnecock Golf Course is and has been reaching out to us the last couple of years and building that relationship to ask our opinion on certain things like that and, and, and to make make things right in, in that aspect. And at the next U.S. Open, you'll see more involvement from the Shinnecock Nation directly with the, the Shinnecock Golf Course and the U.S. Open. I, I was going to pick up on something Bill Bill said, and it's a, it's a good point about the line between tribute and appropriation, because I think the Shinnecock Hills Golf Club would probably make the case that they are paying tribute to the Shinnecock and that's what they're doing. But that logo, as I've, I've been told, is, is actually sort of a stereotypical image of an Indian chief that has nothing to do with Shinnecock culture. It, it's more like a Plains Indian, I believe, right? Or a, 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 Correct. like a, a Native American from, from out one of the tribes out West. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it's an example of sort of picking up on images that are sort of stereotypical rather than, than being influenced in any way by like, that is not a picture of a Shinnecock Native American at, at any time. And so it, it sort of undermines the argument that it's a tribute. It's, it, it's more like appropriation. Correct. And if you, you know, and I, I mentioned this, uh, I've, I have mentioned this, if you want to make that, if you want to be involved in our culture, invite us to your schools, all of the schools, um, learn about the, you know, uh, Eastern Woodlands and, and, and the Algonquin, um, you know, the, the tribes that are here on the, you know, Northeast and Long Island and learn, learn how uh, Long Island came to be and, and how that, that happened and what we bring to the table today. Um, we have a very, very good, strong community here at Shinnecock, a lot of good people, um, and we're doing good things and, and big things and um, a lot of good things in the news. And we're, we're a society, we're a nation um, that functions very well, and, 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 and we're here today. So that learn, learn about that and, and make that your, your tribute. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sac Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSacHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. I'd like to run through the names here and 
maybe get your reaction. And it, it's interesting how much repetition there is. And you look on a map of the school districts that use these names, some mm -hmm. of the districts are a stone's throw from each other. So now they have the opportunity to not have five teams named Warriors in the same 15 square miles, which might be a good opportunity <laughs> to take. But you have the, the Manhasset Indians, the Sewanhaka Indians, the Syosset Braves, the Wontaw Warriors, the Massapequa Chiefs, the Amityville Warriors, the Windanch Warriors, the Brentwood Indians, the East Islip Redmen, the Sachem Fleming Arrows, and the Kumsawag Warriors. Uh, do any of those names strike you as worse than others? Do any of those names strike you as maybe borderline? Or do you think they all share in the same issue that you're trying to resolve here? They all share in the same issue. And I'm not, I'm not going to... Uh you know, say one is worse than the other. You know, you can talk to, I'm, I'm a tribal leader, but not every single tribal member of our, you know, nearly 2,000 uh, tribal members feel exactly the same way. Um, but I can tell you that we don't want to be symbolized in that way. That's the, the sentiment of most people. I don't want to say where's the line, but I think of the name Shinnecock Hills as a name of a hamlet or a region. And I think of where I grew up, Irondequoit, which was an Iroquois name that became the name of the town. Are things like that an issue as well? And I'm, I'm asking, honestly, I mean, I don't know why they named the town Irondequoit using an Iroquois name, but I don't know that, that it was that at this point is is that considered offensive as as well or is it more about the imagery with with the mascots and the you know the tomahawk chop and the you know and the chief's head and 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 all that i mean where is the mix in in the culture and where did culture go wrong with that well you know being in new york whether it's upstate or long island you know particularly long island where you know we're we're first contact tribes you know we, we've been um, we encountered settlers long before many of the Western tribes. Um, so when they came over, they probably didn't want to, I can't speak for people in the 1600s or the, you know, right. <laughs> probably didn't want to use all of the European names that they were bringing with them and, and chose to use some of the mm -hmm. tribes. Um, when you speak of drawing a line, you know, the, the symbolism, the mascots are certainly more, more hurtful. But I mean, if you look at most towns on Long Island, whether you know it or not, most of them are um, Algonquin names. Right. So, Long. yeah, I mean, at this point, you can't, Montauk, most yeah. of them on Long Island, you, you know, it, it's. Uh, and in New York. And in Connecticut, and many in New Jersey, and but Bill's right. This is going to be the argument. Oh, well, they start with schools, and now they're going to want to change place names, and that's not necessarily the case. That's right? not necessarily the case, in my opinion. You know, at some point, you also have to move forward, but um, when you're talking about young people and youth and the children and the mindset, um, have, having a symbol of what you consider, uh, you know, a warrior, you know, it, it's not all of us were warriors. So we were caregivers and, and teachers. And, you know, so 
those are symbolic things that European settlers, you know, colonizers put on us. So that's not something that we want our children to be represented by. Um, we're not going to change every name in the United States. It's not going to happen, or, or in New York or Long Island, for that matter. Um, but this is a good place to start with our young people in the schools. This is Catherine Manu, and I'm the editor of the Sag Harbor Express and co-publisher with my husband, Gavin, of the Express News Group. Local community news matters more than ever, with misinformation spreading constantly across the internet. We live in the communities we cover. We are your neighbors, your friends, your family. We tell the good stories and, unfortunately, the bad. We focus on your triumphs and losses. But we can't do this without our subscribers. To subscribe, please visit 27East.com slash subscribe. And thank you for your support. I remember reading a piece and it was something that somebody had brought back from years and years ago. And I don't remember where it was, but it, it described how a student, a young student, and it was out here with South Fork, and had gone into a classroom and had researched what the names of all the different villages and hamlets that used Shinnecock names, what, what they meant, and used that as a teaching opportunity to educate other students as, as to where the names came from and what they meant and what they symbolized. And maybe that's a way to, to move forward through the mascot issue mm -hmm. and, and through other issues is, is to teach young people um, the, the history of, of Native Americans and, and what they brought to, you know. And that's a perfect uh, example. Um, I mentioned in an email earlier uh, that my daughters attend Tuckahoe. Uh, Tuckahoe is a, is a Shinnecock name. Um, it loosely gets translated into a potato, but it's not really a potato. It's, it's uh, like a, an onion bog almost. It was a, uh, it's hard to explain, but it's not really a potato, but that's how it was loosely translated. But that is a, a great example of a Shinnecock name. And we have gone in to Tuckahoe School District and spoke about the history of our language and what Tuckahoe really means and that that is actually a Shinnecock name. That is what I'm talking about with tributes and with, you know, but they don't have a big, you know, flaming arrow on top of their roof either. So speaking of flaming arrows and tributes, I, I'd like to get your reaction to a statement that came from the Sachem Alumni Association. Um, and they are the flaming arrows. And it's, when, you know, when you hear flaming arrows, it obviously brings about Native American uh, symbolism, even though I, I don't know that there's a great history of um, Native Americans on Long Island shooting things with flaming arrows, or it's just a fabrication. Um, but <laughs> this is one of the names that's being asked to be changed. And there's some pushback in Sachem about it. So the statement from the Sachem Alumni Association was, I want to be crystal clear that our entire Sachem School community was built on the premise of honoring Native American culture and heritage. I hope that we can find common ground among all stakeholders to preserve our community's identity, honor our tradition and history, and evolve with an honest reflection of the Native American people near our Sachem community on Long Island. And I, I'm wondering what you have to say in response to that statement. Well, as I stated before, that's that symbol certainly doesn't honor Native Americans or Shinnecocks, you know, or Uncle Chogs or Montauk or, you know, 
Matinecock or anyone on Long Island. Um, that is an excuse. I mean, maybe you don't want you have your grandfather's sweatshirt that has that symbol on it, and you you think that we would be erasing that history. It's not an attempt to erase history. It's it's an attempt to honor who we are as a people and that we're still here. So we are not attempting to hurt your history that may have been the last 40, 50, 60, 100 years. We want to honor our history that has been here for the last 13,000 or more years um, and honor the people that still exist here. Jermaine, I wanted to make the point. You're, you're on the Southampton School Board, and we're talking about tributes, paying tribute to um, Native American culture. The schools really don't do a very adequate job of paying tribute in the sense of teaching our kids about the Native American culture that's right in their backyard, do they? I mean, Southampton School District has made some attempts to do that, but are you satisfied with, you know, how well Southampton and Tucko and some of the other local school districts teach about the Shinnecock culture? Um, no, far from satisfied. Um, one of the reasons for running for school board is because of the uh, the very intelligent, bright young people that we have coming up from the Shinnecock Reservation and attending attending the local school districts. Um, and some don't feel welcomed um, at Southampton School District. And I think that you know, there has been push for curriculum in, in, in the last couple of years, but then it, it, it kind of fades away and it's not really introduced into the classroom. They have a long way to go and I hope we're getting there. Um, the superintendent, Nick Dino, has made some really good suggestions as of late. Um, but you're talking about a, a, a culture change in, in that school district that... Um, we kind of just went there as, as a Shinnecock people and we're not celebrated as we're not acknowledged. Um, and hopefully we're taking those steps now to, to, to move in that direction in a meaningful way, not just check a box and say, we're doing this and we're doing this. And now we have, you know, a Shinnecock flag in the classroom and, and that's the end of it. Um, real history has to be taught um, and we have to move forward together um, in, in that journey. And it's going to take professional development um, by the teachers, by the administrators. There are some really good administrators right now at Southampton trying to make that, that, that move happen. Um, and, and hopefully that continues. Uh, Tuckahoe is doing a fantastic job at, at doing whatever they can to incorporate um, Shinnecock culture um, into their school calendars, into their year. And to answer your question, uh, we have a little ways to go there. But but no, even locally, when we sit, and I, and I stated that Southampton School District is on Shinnecock territory, as well as Southampton Hospital. Um, so I don't think many people know that or acknowledge that and, and um, or care to, really. It's just, let's just get up and go to work and do our daily thing and 
who cares about you know what's going on culturally um but i will tell you there are some very very good people in southampton that voted me into the school board as well as you know my people from shinnecock and i have friends across the board that that um, came out and voted because my heart is in the right place and they know that and i don't do the the the, the political thing either way um I ran for school board to better the education of all the children in the district. Um, and with that comes honoring Shinnecock as well. Um, can I ask, Jermaine, do you have counterparts who are part of uh, Native American tribes, maybe upstate or um, further west on Long Island, who you're able to sort of, who are sort of also your champion in this cause? Or do you find that you're, when it comes to the state on this issue, you're kind of out there alone. I just wondered what the representation is throughout the state um, for other tribal members who might be trying to affect change in this realm. Uh, as far as education, um, no, we have this, on the advisory council, I believe there are seven or eight of us on from different tribes, you know, Mohawk and Seneca and uh, upstate New York tribes uh, that sit on this council and Chief Harry Wallace from Uncachaga up in Puspatuck uh, also sits on the council. Um, so no, we have a strong coalition of, of uh, tribal leaders um, in this cause. And I and also sit on an, a national uh, advisory council, the Administration for Children and Families. We have a, um, called the Tribal Advisory uh, Committee, uh, TAC, that I sit on as well. And we deal with education matters, healthcare, um, housing. So, and I have to say that push has come from, uh, you know, the Biden and Harris uh, administration as well, um, trying to acknowledge us as a people. Um, that's that's a good thing. So there is there's a lot of support out there now. Your counterparts upstate, how are they doing with the idea of the mascot change? Have they gotten a lot of pushback, people that don't want to change their mascots or just wondering how reluctant or not reluctant some of these other districts might be in um, making changes to their mascots. I have to say, I think for the most part, uh, the schools are on board. Uh, even upstate, I think there's maybe one or two that you know are, are giving any pushback. Um, so that's that's a really good thing because obviously in this political climate, I think that that Joe mentioned, um, you can get a lot of. Uh, whether you want to call it right wing or, or left wing or whatever back and forth uh, division. And when it comes to the superintendents uh, of most of the schools, they've been pretty much on board. Drew, from I'm not a sports guy from a sports guy angle. Yep. And and I, I just so I, I think Jermaine talked about it, mentioned it a little bit when when you have a, a 40, 50, 60 year history of having you know a mascot what what does it mean to, to you know when when you're a when you're a West Hampton Beach hurricane or or you're you know Ham, Hampton Bay's um Bayman yeah I forgot, I forgot. Bayman Bayman so Bayman. you know to to have to have that pride in 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 that in that name and to grow up with that and go to school with that um yeah. I, I know that when when they changed my my school from from the Indians to the Eagles there was some pushback well I'll, I'll always be 
you know, an, an Indian or, or whatever. And, and not not to justify that, because I, I think we've talked about the appropriation of that and the mm-hmm. inappropriateness of that. But but from a sports guy angle, what, is, what does it mean to have that pride? In your yeah, well, I think, you know, and I probably should have chimed on this earlier, but, you know, I figured, you know, we'd push the conversation uh, somewhere else. But, you know, I went to, I graduated from Patrick Medford School District. And, you know, we were, you know, the Red Raiders for, uh, you know, forever. And when I went to school, the mascot was a Native American, you know, with the headdress. And that was part of the logo. And one of the one of the last years I was there, um, again, I graduated in 2002, they totally got rid of that logo, but we still kept the name the Raiders. And until this day, they're still the Raiders. And I don't actually think they're on that list now. Um, but, you know, it. I, I, for me personally, it was indifferent. But I think when you ask a lot of the kids around the school, there's a ton of pride in wearing their school mascot, whether it's Hurricanes or Mariners or Bonnikers, you know, um, especially when you get out, you know, East Hampton, you know, being a Boniker is, is, is huge because that's, you know, that represents not only you, but your entire community, you know? Um, and that's not to say that being a hurricane is anything less, but. There there ain't no other Bonnikers anywhere else. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My, my daughter went to East Hampton. I don't even know if she could tell you what a Bonnaker is. <laughs> so I, I think it is, you. I think for, you know, some people, I, you know, it, it is a big deal for them. Um, like I said, for me personally, it was, you know, and I did play sports, but, um, you know, wasn't that big of a deal for logo change. But I understand exactly where everybody's coming from. But know? I think it's interesting is that, you know, at, at the hard thing with school districts is there's always kids who aren't going to want to be the ones that you make the change on. Like if you could just not have kids in the high school for four years and come back as <laughs> something new, it would be a lot easier. You know what I mean? That's the problem right. with tradition, because there's always somebody who you're going to have to make the change in the middle of their tenure. But you've got you've right, got alumni right. and stuff too, and I guess Jermaine, that just comes back to 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 education, right? And 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 to and to be in the forefront and say, yeah, I know you've had this pride in in this in this in this weird name and you know in in image or whatever, but but you have to to educate people as to why why that's offensive and and maybe help ease them into adopting a new you know some kind of new mascot or. or or culture or whatever it's an education issue at that point right yeah it, it is it's it's an education um issue and um listen i can understand i played football i played at nassau community college um i played at southampton um i understand that but at some point you know um you know al bundy can still tell his story about his high school being at polk high and tell you know but <laughs> So you you're not going to take that away from someone, but at some point, you know, you have to let yeah. go of. Uh, I mean, wrong 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 is wrong. You got to let you, you got to let it go. But... Correct, correct. Look look, when we had our uh, you know our our monuments put up on Sunrise Highway on our Westwood territory, you thought the world was going <laughs> to come to an end, and then, you know, it, in a couple of weeks, people got used to it, and it was that's just they're there, and that's it. Um, oh, I'll I'll go a step further, Jermaine. If if we had had this conversation what five years ago, and you told me that the Washington football team and the Cleveland baseball team 
would change their their the two of the the longest franchises mm-hmm. in those sports I, I would have never thought that would have happened yep. it's an amazing yep. thing that's happened but i wonder when you look at the super bowl champion team is is now sort of one of the high profile offenders and and, and they adopted the they, tomahawk chop from the atlanta braves they I'm did. like are you kidding they did you're just is it two steps two steps forward one step backwards right. i wonder how frustrating that is you know listen it 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 undermines obviously what we're trying to do here but i i'm a realist and, and one of the things that i realize is that which is one of the reasons you know shinnecock as a nation we need economic development and we move towards that and and that's that's you know coming and it's happening um but you you're talking about that that 1% of the 1% that run the the world not just the united states and it's those nfl owners so um that may change but it may not change today sure and i'm and i'm a realist when when it comes to that so Jermaine, can i ask i know that some of the stories that i read had talked about um, some schools that maybe use um, mascots like warrior, but they use like a Greek, you know, God or something like that for their, for the, uh, as this change goes forward, are these schools sort of required to come before your board or the New York state board of regents to say, Hey, we're going to keep this name, but this is our new logo. Like who gets the final say on what's going to be acceptable in terms of imagery and name? That has, that's a very good question. And it has come to us. Um, if you look at the history of any particular school that may have a warrior and they say we're going to use it, it's it's we didn't mean it to be offensive to Native Americans. We meant it as a, 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 a Greek warrior or. But if you go back on their T-shirts or sit in their stands during football season, you, you see something different. So, um, again, it goes back to I forget, forget who asked me, is, is this more offensive than that or. And I don't think we can sort of play that game. It's, you know, we know how that warrior came about. And if it was always um, like the Michigan State Spartans, for instance, I don't think that was ever a Native American, but it's a Spartan. Um, But some of the people who have the warrior emblem want to put a sort of a Spartan on their logo now and say, well, we've meant this, or, you know, we're going to change it to that. So that's a tough one. But you put, you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah. To Annette's point, is there a panel that, that will make these decisions? Yes. You know, that will decide that there's a panel that'll sort of decide whether something is being changed enough. Yes. And then that's something that, that Dr. Rosa brings to us on the advisory council for, because that. Indigenous Advisory Council is a, a subgroup of the mascot council, and that's what I sit on as well. We, we've had that discussion because that's a very good question. It's a fascinating topic. It really is. It's an amazing achievement, too. It's like I said, coming on the heels. I think they're, we're moving in this direction as a society, which I think is long overdue. And I didn't know that we ever would. And I, I think it's I think it's something to applaud. It just it, it sort of draws a a bold line under the remaining ones you know the ones yeah. that are left and i think it puts some pressure on them. you know joe you, you keep touching on it. i think that that is a uh you know the political climate we've been in for the last you know 10 years has been for this to happen right now um it it gives 
me a lot of hope in 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 mankind and in the United States and and uh, it's reassuring. We're we're still yes. moving forward. Yes, and sometimes you have to take those steps back, and things have to happen to you know. Absolutely. Bring out the good in people. Great. Well, thank you, Jermaine. I really appreciate it. it was such an interesting talk. I appreciate the conversation. Absolutely. Everyone have a great weekend, okay? Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.